WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome into the basement. It is Monday night, and that can only mean one thing. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. We're on every Monday, 7 to 8 p.m. 8 times 2 is 16, and how sweet it is. That's a Motown classic, isn't it, Jamal? How sweet it is to be loved by you. And how sweet it is to be MSU tonight. Spartans preparing to face top-seeded Memphis Friday. Game time, 9.57 p.m. Eastern. Prime time. Houston, Texas. I might be there. And if I am, I'll bring you the finest of reportage next Monday. Coming up on tonight's show, in addition to the wonderful co-hosts I have, we'll get to them in a minute, um, we'll talk NCAA tournament. This team, I believe, will make its way to Final Four. Big Ten talk. The Big Ten has not fared so well in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk that as well as men's ice hockey there in the NCAA tournament. There was some slight worry there for a little while, but they're in Pavel talk Michigan State hockey with us. About 7.30. And then, to end the show as promised, spring football preview. What are our biggest areas of concern? How legit is Javon Ringer as a Heisman Trophy candidate? And is Hoyer going to be the guy at quarterback? I sat down with quarterback Brian Hoyer. Uh, exclusive interview. We'll play that later in the show. But first up, how sweet it is. Jamal Spencer is back. What up, bro? Nothing much, man. It's good to be on time for once, you know? Yeah, <laughs> not feeding the stereotype. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Brigitte, what's good? Everything this weekend after watching the Spartans, I was so excited to see them make the Sweet 16. Been waiting for this. But our run is not done yet. Not Pavel, quite. what's up, bro? I'm kind of glad I didn't go to Denver. I could have celebrated. I celebrated pretty nicely for the Sweet 16. <laughs> it was uh, nice. Yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed myself. It was, it was a great win, kind of vindicating for this team. People call them soft. People say they have a lack of leadership, a lack of toughness. Um, Neitzel can't score off the dribble. Excuse me. Did, did 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 you see that game? Ask Ramon. Step back, Trey. Huh? Wet. Drew Neitzel getting it done. Actually caught up with Coach Izzo, Drew Neitzel, Kalen, Chris Paul Jr. Lucas, as Jamal references him, as and Raymar Morgan today. So those interviews coming up as well. So a loaded show. A loaded show. If you want to get in touch, if you think Michigan State is done against Memphis, let us know. Tell me why Michigan State can't make the final four. 517-432-3893 is the number. The email address, always open, wdbmsports at gmail.com. So some had picked Michigan State to lose in the opening round, as Seth Davis at CBS did, and the huge show across America or whatever that guy in Grand Rapids is, <laughs> said wrote an article that Michigan State will lose in the first round. Perhaps they don't know this team as well as we do. Michigan State playing into the Sweet 16. Jamal, Brigitte, Pavel, are you guys surprised to see Michigan State dancing their way to 16? Not surprised. Um, when you look before the season started, we were ranked in the top 10. We had preseason accolades, and everyone said, this team's going to either win the Big Ten or do something like that. And when you have those type of expectations, you're supposed to be in the Sweet 16. You're supposed to make it this far. And even after the regular season in the Big Ten tournament, I still had Michigan State going to the Sweet 16, so I'm not surprised. More like impressed, because I knew they would get there. I didn't think they'd do it this well in terms of playing complete games, so I'm pretty impressed. I can echo that. They definitely played a complete game. You look across the tournament and how teams have gotten to the Sweet 16, there have been some very close calls, some number one seeds that could have gone down. We've already seen Georgetown lose to Davidson, and we'll talk about Stephon Curry and the way he's been playing. But Michigan State put two complete games together, we played extremely well defensively. We won our opening round game with not much offensive production from Drew Neitzel. And then secondly, we beat Pitt without much from Raymar Morgan. And then everybody's million-dollar question, how good can we be when both of those aforementioned players contribute? Brigitte, surprised with the Sweet 16 run? No, not at all. I remember thinking last year that with the talent of the new freshmen coming in, we had definite Final Four potential, if not a championship potential team. But I'm just so impressed with the way Drew Neitzel's been playing. He's really stepped up and become that MVP, MVP player that everybody thinks he is. And I'm just I'm so anxious for Friday. I'm definitely not surprised. I think uh, 
outside of East Lansing, everybody might be surprised. Everybody's looking at us having an up-and-down season. But within East Lansing, we've had a front-row seat to this team, and we've seen the potential of this team. And I think they're reaching their potential. I think Drew Neitzel is hitting it hot. I think Raymar Morgan is due for a big game against Memphis. And I think we match up well against Memphis. And uh, let's see them try to make some free throws. Your thoughts on Michigan State's chances to make a run to the Final Four, 517-432-3893 is the number. The email address, wide open, wdbmsports at gmail.com. And you look at the NCAA tournament, and it's been argued, and I definitely agree with this argument, you look at matchups rather than seeding. There are probably some teams that would have rather played number one, number two, number three seeds than the than the matchups they had. Duke didn't want to play a team that can bang inside. And, and as as we've said on this show, you li- you live by the three, you die by the three. And, and Duke is at home. Uh, and there's a team. There's some teams in the country, folks. We've been spoiled here in East Lansing. There's some teams in the country that are in dire straits. Duke, Greg Paulus, the fellows over there, Devin Shire, they're supposed to be good. They're supposed to be in a Final Four. Indiana, dire straits. Coach Coach gone. DJ White, NBA potential. Eric Gordon, NBA potential. You know, D- Indiana's in way worse of a situation than we are. Deep. They Deep. they were some picks to win the Big Ten. They didn't win it, and they didn't win a Big Ten tournament title either. And they're out of the tournament. They're out of the NCAA tournament. It's not happy in Hoosierland. <laughs> not at all. And they're looking for a new head coach. Dockage is not going to be their guy. Guaranteed. He's not going to make it past the end of the summer. There's some schools you have to win at. That's one of them. He's done. So there's some worse situations than Michigan State, and perhaps we're on the cusp of a Final Four appearance. And I think these guys have the maturity and the drive from Drew Neitzel and Drew Namick that a Final Four appearance is not enough. But we've got to get there first. But discuss the matchups versus the seeding approach. I mean, well, it's it's all about, you'll look at a seed and you'll say, well, you have one versus a 16, this automatically wins, or a 12 versus a 5, there could be an upset there. People play, like you said, too much attention, put too much into the numbers and not who's on the team. You could have a bad regular season. You might have a couple of injuries, and you're going to end up with an 11, 12, 13 seed. You're coming into the NCAA tournament, all your horses are healthy, now you're looking at a team that could be better than the six that they're going up against. So, you know, if you have a big man... Against a team where nobody's bigger than six six, you might have a you know advantage there unless you're Georgetown, you know, and you don't know how to get the ball to the seven foot two guy. But you know, you're right. Matchups are far more important than seeding. And looking at the tournament surprises thus far, we've seen Western Kentucky dance their way to sixteen. We've seen Davidson and Stephon Curry just brilliant performance there. What has been the biggest surprise thus far? I'm gonna be honest. It's got to be the idiocy of Georgetown. Like I said, you know, take nothing away from Davidson. Roy Hibbert might not be the most polished offensive player on the floor on any team he plays on. But if the guy is seven foot two, you can't tell him that you just throw the ball near the basket and he's going to get it. You got to throw it to him in the post. No one on Davidson's team is as close size-wise as Roy Hibbert. Yet somehow they blew that game. Someone explain that one to me. Biggest surprise thus far. I'm going to go with uh, either Davidson or Western Kentucky making it to the Sweet 16 to go against that. I think Georgetown had a 19-point lead at halftime, and then Davidson comes back and just wins the game with Stephon Curry or Stephen Curry. I don't know how you say it, but I was just surprised. I don't even know where Davidson is. They just, they're totally the sleeper team, I think, so far. Absolutely. That, that says it best. I don't even know where Davidson is. I'm being honest. I really don't. I don't know anything but, about them, but I do now. Stephon Curry, just straight straight hooping out there. 25 points in the second half. He had 40 in the first tournament game. It's in the jeans, man. Ridi- <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. Your thoughts, 517-432-3893. Can Michigan State reappear in the Final Four this year? Or are they done in Houston on Friday night? Also, WDBMSports at gmail.com. Here's one for you. A few weeks back, we talked about the the trifecta, you know, the Holy Trinity. Your keys, your wallet, and your phone. So I'm getting my card to come to the show today from the office. And I'm on the phone. And I get in the car, and I can't find my keys. I obviously open the car door with them, and I'm I'm frantic. It's 640. We're on the air at 7. I can't find my keys. 
They're stuck in the door. I'd never pull them out. And this brings us back quickly. You, you got to talk about real life sometimes. When I'm coming to the show and you know I misplace the keys, it makes me think. When you leave the house as a gentleman, you have the, the Holy Trinity. Uh, your car keys, your wallet, and your cell phone. Which can you do without for the longest period of time? I might have to go the car keys. I could have just called you and had you pick me up. <laughs> See, but uh, I might I'm gonna have to go with the wallet. You know, you never know. If you're not driving your own car, say someone's picking you up. Or, you know, when you drive yourself, of course you keep your car keys in your hand at all time. And a lot of people keep the house keys on the same ring. So say you're not driving that day, you very well may forget to grab your house. You know, grab That's your keys true. and go. So now you got someone else picking you up. You got no keys to your house, your car, <laughs> but you got a wallet and a cell phone. So. I don't know. I, I think the wild is the least important. Brigitte, can you relate to this? As I mean, as a female, uh, you know, what's the tr- what's the holy trinity for you? Is it like lip gloss? No, you know, what, what's it going to be? At? I mean, my purse is like got everything I need. It's got the wallet, the phone, the keys, makeup, planner, everything. Oh, so how about that? She consolidates <laughs> into the purse, so essentially she doesn't add the holy we trinity. We don't have anything like that. Wait, how about this? Purse. You, you, the lose the, you forget the purse, you're done. If everything's well, in one, if you forget your purse, you are like SOL. If everything's in one bag, that's it. Hey, we, we that's why guys go for the purse when they try to run off with it. <laughs> Pavel, look at this guy. This thief. That's what I do in St. Louis, huh? We go, we go right exactly. to the phones. Welcome into the Spartan Sports Wrap. What's on your mind? Uh, well, what, uh, what is being overlooked uh, is that the uh, Big Ten officiating, if you look at the games that uh, Michigan State could have won if they were uh, officiated according to the uh, 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 level of the rest of the NCAA, uh, I think you'd you could add three to four games in the win column. And if you add three to four games to the win column of Michigan State, then you can compare them with the rest of the uh, March Madness. Then you can actually see actually the level where Michigan State really deserves to be seated in. So, and that's all I got to say. Hey, th- thanks. We take a look at that. You know, sorry we got an aside. I'm gonna I'm gonna d- tie the car keys, wallet, phone analogy to to basketball very quickly in a second. But you look at the Big Ten officiating, as the gentleman just commented on. I don't think that the officiating will generally count as a win or loss. They control the culture or the envi- the environment of the game. And yes, you can say this team shot this many free throws and we didn't shoot that many free throws. But you look across the nation. I mean, wasn't there a couple UCLA games where referees made wrong calls in the clutch that cost that singular call cost a game? I think Michigan State's problems have been throughout the course of an entire game. You strap Raymar Morgan with two fouls early, but then again, that may be a maturity issue. If Raymar Morgan can learn to cope and play through that, and like Coach Izzo commented on today, Letting a guy go after he gets a rebound. Letting a guy go on a fast break and let him get the two points because that foul, on the contrary, is too costly to this team. So I think it's been poor officiating across the board. Uh, But, yeah, Michigan State's got their fair share of poor calls. But then again, in the pit game at a crucial time, their guard is called for a charge against Kalen Lucas when there could have been a reach-in called prior to that. So Michigan State... I mean, for the most part, I think they've been on the short end of the whistle, especially Eddie Hightower's whistle. Um, but I don't want to decide a game by the whistle. I don't either, but I have proof to back up my Ed Hightower is the show theory. I'm watching one of these games, and I turn off at halftime. My buddy comes back to me afterwards and says, I just want to show you the box score. I think it was a West Virginia game, but I don't remember. He says, I just want to show you a box score. Five fouls, five fouls, four fouls, four fouls, three fouls, four fouls. This one team had so many fouls against them. And he said, now what's up? I said, that looks like an Ed Hightower game. And he scrolls down. The official to the game was Ed Hightower. So it's not just, you know, you can't just say, well, you know, maybe we're all complaining too much. He proved to me in this tournament that he will take the game into his own hands and not let players play and call an absurd amount of fouls. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. you got to let guys play, especially in the tournament. This is one and done time. You gotta let guys hoop. You gotta let them play a little more physical. Yes, you have to regulate the game to make sure no one gets hurt. But a little hand check here, a little bump there, 
We don't need to get whistle crazy. And I think Michigan State has benefited from being up from out from under that Big Ten officiating cloud. And I think uh, we've been fortunate, as bad as the officiating has been, to not have one call at the end of the game decided. It's been a whole bunch of calls. It's been 51 free throws. It's been a whole bunch of it. You look at Villanova-Georgetown, 0.1 seconds, you know, and uh, they give Georgetown shooting free throws. I mean, not one single call has lost us any of these eight games so far this year. So we've been fortunate in that sense. Your thoughts, 517-432-3893. The email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. But back to the car keys, wallet, and phone. Quickly, I said, you know, which could you do without the longest? Raymar Morgan, Goran Sutan, Drew Neitzel. Which of these three players can Michigan State succeed with for the longest period of time? Without? Without. Without production. We've seen that we can win an opening round game with Drew Neitzel scoring five. But to win a national title, let's throw that phrase out there. Which of these three players, hypothetically, can Michigan State succeed without ideal production for the longest period of time? Raymond Morgan, because it seems to me that they've done that for the majority of the season. Not to say he hasn't put up nice numbers. He has. I think he's led the team in scoring the whole season. But and when you look at nights where he's supposed to be a factor and he picks up two quick fouls, that automatically sits him on the bench. That pit game is a prime example where he was going quickly. Caden Lucas had to step it up. He had a good game, but it seems to me that Drew Neitzel can do other things or they, they know how to play with him, and you got to have a big man doing something, so I they th- need G. But. I think it just speaks to the talent of Raymar Morgan because you look at Sutan, you got to have him because you got to have low post scoring. And Drew Neitzel is arguably one of the best guards in this tournament that is left. And you can't argue with that. And so, essentially, you know, Raymar Morgan is irreplaceable. But, then again, I sat down with Raymar Morgan today. We're going to play that Raymar Morgan clip out of, a little bit out of order here. But we're going to go play that Raymar Morgan clip caught up with Meezy today after practice. Here's uh, what Raymar Morgan had to say in preparation for the Memphis Tigers. Here at Ford, Raymar Morgan. Raymar, you play the Memphis Tigers Friday. How do you guys match up against Memphis? It's, it's a tough matchup. Um, that all five of their starters are very versatile. Um, uh, Dorsey is a great uh, uh, big guy inside. Um, Chris Douglas, um, he, he's just all-around great player. Um, Derrick Rose is a fine point guard, and they just have a lot of different weapons. Drew Neitzel playing extremely well at this time of the season. What's it going to take to get to win the weekend? Um, everybody playing well. Um, it just can't be Drew. Um, I have to step up. Um, Kaelin has to step up again like he's been doing, and different guys just have to step up in different times. Um, it's going to be an uh, overall team effort. What's been the biggest surprise of the NCAA tournament for you? I don't know yet. Uh, maybe we, I don't think we've met it yet. Um, hopefully uh, we can keep playing and, and hopefully we'll meet it. In terms of preparation, how much emphasis do you put on preparing for Memphis or is it more so worrying about what your team's doing? Um, a little bit of both. Um, we definitely got to worry about what we're doing and, and the things and things that uh, we're doing on the court and, and how we're executing. So. Um, and then it's a, it's a little bit of them. Uh, we got to focus in, uh, prepare well, and just get ready to play. That was Ford Raymar Morgan men's hoops. Um, they're poised to make a Final Four, I believe. If you uh, disagree, give me a reason why Michigan State can't make a Final Four. 517-432-3893. And if Ray's not here tonight, Ray Mara, co-host, uh, if he can't make it, Ray, I just want to let you know I got my polo shirt on, a couple extra buttons undone. So the chest hair can fly for uh, for the Italian folks, yourself included, and uh, we'll continue on after that, after that thought. But who's going to be the X factor if we want to make a Final Four in a national championship run? Who is the X factor? That's a good question. It's it's going to be Goran Sutan, um, not because of his skill level, but if you look at say we're going to hypothetically say Michigan State makes it to the Final Four. All the teams left in our side of the bracket have big men. And if we get to the championship, we're probably going to go against a team with a quality big man. So you're going to need G to bring it not just defensively, but he's going to have to push that big man on the other end of the floor and get some points and some rebounds. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, we know, I think Drew Neitzel is not a question he's going to bring in. Practice today, unbelievable. He is ready to go. He's playing with a sense of urgency because he knows it's one and done time. And like you said, we're going to get, if we hypothetically win and go against the Lopez Twins, at Stanford, we're going to have to produce. It's kind, 
it kind of reminds me of football a little bit. You know, you have to run a little play action to, to suck the secondary in. You have to get some low post scoring, or they're just going to cheat to the perimeter on, uh, defensively. And they're going to smother our guards, and they're going to be running for their lives dead tired. So, you know, if we have an offensive balance, you know, similar to football, I think this team can go. Inside, outside. That's how you play the game, right? But Drew Neitzel caught up with him. He was a spectacular against Pitt, playing with a swagger. Here's what Drew Neitzel had to say about his newfound swag. Drew, obviously playing with a newfound sense of urgency. Is it just the sense that the season could be over after any game that's got you with a new swagger? Yeah, definitely. Um, anytime you're, you're a senior, the, the, your games are numbered, and, and every time I put the jersey on now, it, it could be the last time. So just trying to go out there, leave it all on the floor every time I, I step on it, and, and, and trying to live, live for another day, another game, and, and put that, that jersey on one more time. Last trip you made to a Final Four, you knocked off a one and a two in the form of Duke and Kentucky. How similar is this weekend in hopes of a Final Four compared to that run? Uh, it's, it's very similar. Um, you know, we're down in Texas again for the regional, and um, you know, we, a lot of great teams left in, in our bracket. So uh, we're just going to have to focus one game at a time, take care of business, and and look to move on. You know, I'm sure the coaching staff they're going to come up with a great game plan. It's it's going to come down to us as a team going out there, executing and uh, making shots and, and getting stops defensively. After the selection show, you said. You didn't get Detroit, but there you just have to find another way to San Antonio. Does this team believe that Houston is that way? Yeah, we're very, uh, very confident in, in, in where we're at. We got a couple big wins last weekend out in Denver, and um, that Pittsburgh game, especially, was was a huge win for us. And um, you know, team uh, people have, have knocked us all year for for our toughness and and things like that. And um, you know, going up against Pittsburgh, who's one of the toughest teams in the country, and you know, uh, we match we we match their uh, physical play and, and toughness, and so that gave us a lot of confidence. And I think we're we're excited where we're at, and and think we can uh, win a couple games this weekend and and get down to San Antonio. That was senior captain Drew Neitzel, obviously commenting on the confidence that Michigan State has that they can, in fact, go to the Final Four. Your thoughts: five one seven four three two thirty eight. 93, and one of the X factors that will not play in the game but will be on the sideline, Coach Izzo, I think a big intangible will go to coaching, and, and it obviously in a substantial edge to Coach Izzo in the way he, he and his staff prepare for games. Um, Coach Izzo commented today on preparation for Memphis and what this time of the year means to him and the Spartans' matchup against Memphis. Here's what T.I. had to say today. Well, it's the greatest time of year for me and I think for our team program and hopefully for all of you, we get a chance to play again in a retractable dome. We're thinking about trying to take the roof off and see if uh, we could play outside. That would excite Hollis if nobody else. Um, But, you know, in watching Memphis last night, watching the game, watching some tape during the night, uh, you you, you get a little awe in watching them if you look at them – for a couple of times, they're, they kind of look like the college version of the Lakers. When Irvin was there, they got six, eight guys who can take the ball off the rim and go with it. They've got great size with six, 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 seven wings. Uh, Rose is everybody's first or second team All-American. He's uh, he's really good, and uh, they've got strength inside. And they've got one thing that maybe Pittsburgh didn't have. They also have depth. Douglas Roberts and Rose are their All-Americans, but uh, they have great depth and they have guys that have started uh, coming off the bench and uh, very well coached. And, you know, uh, John Calipari's been in the NBA. Um, he's been a head coach there. He's won at UMass, and, of course, he's put three 30-win seasons together at uh, Memphis. So uh, I guess that says it all. And yet as you watch more film and more film, like everybody would do on everybody, you try to find warts that you can exploit. And uh, haven't found a lot yet, but it's only Monday. Hopefully by Tuesday uh, we'll find a few more. They are struggling from the free throw line. I mean, that's easy to say because everybody says that. But if you get a big lead like they're capable of doing, they're maybe as good a spurt team as I've seen in 10 years. They can be two up and then be 12 up in a matter of, a minute, and uh, 
between their pressuring on defense, they're one of the better defensive teams, and their length and ability to uh, to rebound and run with athletes. Uh, there's no question that this was everybody's number one ranked team a lot of the year. Uh, them in North Carolina have been one two as far as who was the best team coming in, and uh, I think they deserve it. So, at the same time, you know, I said for a month we've been playing better basketball. Uh, practices have been better, even when we had some losses at the end of the year. Uh, but uh, there's no question where we went from Neitzel and Morgan have to play well. Now we're getting into maybe three and four guys. You know, Sutan has to play well. Uh, Lucas has to play well. Against, against better teams, you have to have more numbers of players that play well if you're going to advance. But I told our team at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, if you can get to a sweet 16, from there on, who knows what happens. Uh, we've been to seven of them. It'll be our seventh now in 11 years, and uh, I'm proud of that. But at the same time, uh, when we've gotten there, we've usually moved on. And uh, I don't know why that is. I think it's been because we've had some pretty doggone good players that have, have helped us. But uh, there's no question... Um, Memphis being the roadblock is maybe one of the biggest roadblocks we've ever had to move on. Well, that's Coach Tom Izzo commenting on the Spartans' matchup in the Sweet 16 against Memphis. Coach showing a little love there. Do you, are you really that concerned? Is this one of the toughest roadblocks? Remember in 05, we beat Duke in Kentucky back in back. 48 hours. Is Memphis overhyped, a little overrated, coming out of Conference U.S. of A. When you compare them to the Showtime Lakers of the 80s, as Izzo did today, I think that's taking it a bit too far. I can't name more than three players on this basketball team. One is a freshman, one's a senior who I played against in high school, and the other's a bum, who the only reason I know him is because he ran his mouth against Greg Oden. So other than those three players, I really don't understand how this Memphis team has become so great. Joey Dorsey's very inconsistent all year. He's a thug, you know, he's... He's a uh, ticking time bomb. He's you know he could score twenty, get twelve rebounds like he did against Mississippi State, and get six blocks, or he can just get in foul trouble, foul out, you know, score five points. So Chris Douglas Roberts, I think he, you know, no matter if they foul him, he's going to make that shot and one. So I think it's going to be a key stop in him. Derrick Rose is like a Kalen Lucas, I'd say. I mean, they're just going to rip and drive and. Uh, I just think that uh, it's going to come down to the rebounding. I think they really match up well in rebounds. I think they, Memphis has like 42 rebounds a game, and Michigan State has like 39 a game. So they really match up well against them. So whoever gets the edge on the glass, that's where we need Goran Sutan. Memphis comes out of Conference USA. Their, their conference schedule is just horrendously weak. And we look, we look at who they played out of conference. Okay, they played UConn at UConn, Oklahoma at Oklahoma. Won none, both of those. None of which are still in the tournament. They, right. they beat Georgetown at the crib. None of which we, are still in the tournament. We saw Georgetown is beatable. Uh, Arizona. Gone. Gone. USC. Um, gone. And then we look at, ten, they, they played Tennessee. Their last big game was on February 23rd against Tennessee. And they lost that game at home. I don't think Memphis can beat Michigan State. Not, call me a slappy, call me a homer. Their non-conference schedule, it's kind of like the antichrist to Tom Izzo. Weak non-conference schedule, in addition to the pathetic conference schedule, and they don't shoot free throws well. It's like the Tom Izzo antichrist out here with Memphis. And I think that it's going to bite him in the rear end. They're trying to downplay the free throw shooting. And Tom Izzo is going to put him at the line in the bonus, and bada-bing, we're going to be out and running after they miss front ends. I mean, Memphis is definitely beatable. We saw yesterday against Mississippi State, they almost lost, I think it was a three-point differential in the game. So there are ways that Memphis can be beaten. Just because they have one loss doesn't mean they're automatically going to go to the Final Four. We've won our games with such like double-digit leads I think and we've never faltered so far in the tournament and a lot of the top seeds they've been close to being upset so sooner or later they are going to fall. That being said Memphis is legit I'm not trying to downplay there's a reason they're in the Sweet 16. CDR Chris Douglas Roberts is a hooper he can flat out play the kid shoots 54% from the field 42% from the tray and he puts up 17-18 points a game for the Memphis Tigers. There's no question that their offense is there but uh 
Their man-to-man defense isn't that great. I saw the game against Mississippi State. So Kalen Lucas should have a field day. Drew Neitzel, Travis Walton, you drive on him, take it inside. Their man-on-man defense is poor. What I want to know is there are, in my opinion, maybe three teams in the country who play defense like Michigan State does. One is Wisconsin. One is UCLA. The other one, I'm going to say, is Michigan State. Three teams in the country, that three teams left in this tournament that really play defense. And maybe Kansas sniffs that three. Maybe. Name me one team that Memphis has played that plays true lockdown defense. They have not done it. Tennessee's good, but they don't play that real physical style of defense. Michigan State has the ability to get up in the jersey of any perimeter player. I don't care how good they are. Lock them down, especially when they don't have to worry about a post presence. You know, there's no one to throw the ball into. If you can keep a guy from penetrating, as they showed against Pitt, continuously dribbling the ball with six seconds on the shot clock before forcing something, Michigan State has the ability to lock down perimeter on the defense, and I really think that's going to be huge. Memphis has never seen a defense like they're about to face. And Joey Dorsey, uh, he doesn't do the post a lot. He doesn't play the post a lot. He uh, looks for the alleys. He goes weak side. He does not do the post a lot. You put him, make him go to the post. You make him do it. And so, something about Joey Dorsey, um, he averages three fouls a game. <laughs> I would like to see our big men go at him, get him out of the paint, and who do they have down low? And that's, you know, it's kind of reverse psychology. See what happens to Michigan State when we get in foul trouble? Let's use that mentality against our opponent. Let's get them in foul trouble and see how deep they can go into their bench. Your thoughts, 517. Four three two, thirty eight ninety three. The bench is where it's at, though, because I, I think our bench scoring is a lot better than Memphis. I mean, you got a guy like Chris Allen draining threes today at practice. If he shoots like that, like he did in the first and the second round, I think, wow, he's an asset coming off the bench. Travis Wallen coming off the bench. Darrell Summers is their best, best three-point shooting percentage on the team. This team's going 10 deep in the tournament. Exactly. You, Memphis you, might be deep, but they don't have that point offensive contribution they might be deep they can put players in to do the job do the job but they're not scoring and you talk about Kalen Lucas being able to carve up the Memphis defense got a chance to catch up with too easy today Kalen too easy Lucas here's what Kalen had to say today after practice by guard Kalen Lucas Kalen you've been a lot in a lot of anticipated matchup games with their backcourt versus ours such as the Texas game how do you approach such games when you're gonna have to go against Rose from Memphis uh, first off, you know Rose. He he's a great player. Uh, a big, strong, a big, strong player. You know, very quick. So, uh, me matching up with Rose, you know, it's just gonna come down to the little things. Uh, you know, Memphis, they're a great team. So, uh, I, you know, we just gotta we just be ready to play and be ready, ready be ready to play for forty minutes. It seems you and Drew Knights will have a newfound chemistry on the court. Can you explain how you guys can coexist, even being smaller guards? Um, you know, I, th- I think it just starts at practice. You know, him him telling me where he wants the ball at and. And me, me just giving it to him. Um, I think as far as games too, just us being able to just play, play games and uh, me getting, me getting to the hole and just finding them on the wing is, is just starting to work out. It seems like you're getting hungrier as the season goes on, and buckets in, in the lane and in transition are coming easier for you. Is it just a matter of your growth and understanding of the college game? Yeah, I have to say so. You know, as far as you know, in high school, I was just trying to get to the lane and and try to go for layups. But you know, not not here in college. You know, we got seven footers there, so. That's where me and coach, you know, we just been talking, and uh, you know, when I go, when I get to the hole, just trying to pull up, try to pull up on a uh, mid-range game. You grew up in the Detroit AU circuit, familiar with Chris Douglas Roberts. How big of a threat is he for Memphis? Uh, I think he's a big threat. Uh, he's a great player. You know, he can get to the hole very easy, and if you leave him open, he will knock down that that three-point shot. So, uh, you know, we just got to have six eyes on him. Um, he got when he has the ball, we just got to corral on him. We gotta shrink the gaps. But that being said, you played against Chris Douglas Roberts in the past. You're familiar with these guys on Memphis's team, so I'm assuming that there's not much fear going into this game. Oh no, it's not fair at all. Just more of just being being excited and just being ready to play. That was guard Kalen Lucas. His thoughts on the Memphis Tigers, Michigan State, and Memphis matchup Friday, 9:57 Eastern time. So about 10 o'clock Eastern here in East Lansing, Memphis, Michigan State. That'll be down in Houston in uh, the Houston Regional, and we will take on the winner of Tennessee, or pardon me, Texas and Stanford. Getting ahead of myself here. I think Tennessee's going to be done soon, though, the way they played against Butler. And Butler didn't play that great. Who's the next big tree to fall, though, in this NCAA tournament? Kansas. Kansas? Kansas. I have, every year, laugh at those who pick Kansas to win a national championship or go to the Final Four. 
They are overhyped. They un- unlike Duke, they actually have talent. I mean, they can play at Kansas. The problem is they always have a coaching problem or they just mess it up. And I can really see Kansas dropping the game maybe to Villanova, but they're they're definitely not not going to go all the way. Kansas is the big tree to fall. If you look at the three that could beat them, Villanova, Davidson, or Wisconsin, I, I'd say Kansas has the end though to get to the Final Four. If this if there was ever a year where they can avoid the upsets, I think it'd be this year. They're playing a twelve. Okay, there's a ten. And Wisconsin's a three, so let's not look too much into those seedings, though. <laughs> exactly. you, were you not in seeding versus matchups one hundred one? I, I, I could say Davidson. Davidson on a twenty-four game winning streak, they could beat Kansas. That's money. There it is. But look at and you want to say UCLA doesn't have an easy route to to the Final Four? What do you got to get past Western Kentucky and then who? Maybe Xavier. Xavier. I had Xavier. Uh, Xavier or, or, or West Virginia. Yeah, I'll take UCLA going to the championship. Yeah, UCLA yeah, more likely. But uh, that would be our match. That would that be our matchup yeah. in the final four? Final yeah. four. In the final four out of that rematch, you know, that region. That would be. That would be two. Hypothetically, that might be two matchups going to the final four if Michigan seen. State gets past Memphis. They could play Texas and UCLA, and tell me that they wouldn't be watching game film and game film. And oh man, that'd be a good. Day. It'd be just ridiculous. I can't wait. I'm just just be happy, folks, that Michigan State's still alive. Indiana's at home. Purdue's at home. Wisconsin's still alive. They Davidson's going to knock him off. They're going to yeah, go home. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. <laughs> but we talk about Davidson. Davidson's Stephen Curry, tremendous scorer, maybe the best shooter in all of college basketball. Is Drew Neitzel the most impressive guard in the tournament aside from Davidson's Stephen Curry? I'm going to have to say yes. Um, when you look at what Drew can do, to me, he was a point guard. He's been a point guard his whole life who can score. So he's got handles. He can handle the ball if the team needs that. Plus, coming off of screens, if, even if he's not scoring, this is the effect Drew Neitzel has on the game. In this game, the guy that was checking him for Pitt went one for eight. And this is one of the best scorers on that team. Ramon. Just by chasing Drew Neitzel, he had no legs. I mean, you can't expect to chase a guy around for 40 minutes and then get 20 points on the other end. That's not going to happen. So Drew Neitzel, to me, with what he's done, having relative a, a pretty low-scoring game against Temple and bouncing back when his team needed it and pouring it on against Pitt, I think that is impressive. Um, we look at the increased minutes at our bench getting. You talked about going 10 deep. We see a lot more of Edong Ibak. Are you impressed with the big fella from Nigeria? Yes and no. I mean, at this point last year, and I talked to him about this today, I said last year you were notorious for the wrong reason. You are on national television and dislocated your elbow. You know, And now you're actually playing and b- being significant. And he kind of laughed it off and said, yeah, this is the first time I've been past the second round of my you know, playing here. And first time, It was the first time he played, put it that way. And I think he does give them rebounding, and he gives them, more importantly, minutes that G and Namek can rest on the bench because that intensity level in the tournament is so high. They do need that break. Offensively, you know he's not going to give you much. So Yeah, I definitely like him a lot this year. Um, with the exception of the pit game, I think a couple of the fans were getting nervous when he was missing a few shots. But everybody has a bad game. But most importantly, he gives you five extra fouls that when you need them, he can take up those minutes where if your big guys do get in foul trouble, you can give them a rest on the bench. And, you know, if you do get a couple baskets from ID, it's a good game for him. I like that Tom Izzo gave him some time against Pittsburgh because because it really sets up him getting more playing time against Memphis if we need it. If we, you know, there's always someone, Namick, Raymar, there's always someone on our team who has foul trouble early. There's always somebody. You know, you, you just name somebody. So Ibak can get those minutes. He's a tall body. He can be as physical as anybody inside. So um, what's he, 6'10", 6'11"? 6'11". 6'11". Uh, Joey Dorsey's 6'9". He's got two feet on him. So I wish he had two feet two on him. Inches. <laughs> two inches. Sorry. Wow. Joey Dorsey's like five. <laughs> five <laughs> feet, 4'11". But yeah, Ibak, it seems like he's playing more controlled. He's not trying to block everything that's going up on the glass. He's standing straight up. If he stands straight up, his strength and, and balance, he's going to alter a lot of shots. Yep. And so I think you'll see a lot more of Vidong Ibak as the tournament prolongs, I believe. I think this is a prelude to next year because he's going to have to play a lot next year. Edong Ibak is going to be in the key rotation next year, so it's a prelude. Oh, you, you have to play Ibak over Tom Herzog, just the strength factor. Mm-hmm. Ibak may not look strong. That is one guy I would not mess with. He may look tall and, and gangly, but he is strong as all get out. That's I don't know where he got it from. Grasslands of Nigeria. <laughs> that boy is strong. And you don't want to catch one of those bows either. Man airplane. You'll be it'll be game over. But Big Ten. 
Indiana's out, Purdue's out, Wisconsin, Michigan State's still alive. Disappointing showing for the conference in the NCAA tournament thus far? I, I want to say yes, but you can't. You, they came in with four teams, they have two left. So, to me, 50% going into Sweet 16 is not bad. Purdue overachieved, in my opinion, with a group of freshmen and sophomores getting as far as they did. And the mess that is Indiana, I'll leave that alone for now. But, you know, remember what Izzo said earlier in the year. The years that they went to the Final Four, there were other Big Ten teams there. They had, you know, there was always a Big Ten team other than Michigan State making a run at the same time. So that can only be good news for the tournament, for the conference, rather. I think they're overachieving because I don't think many outside of East Lansing, like I said, have expected Michigan State to go far. I think the only team that was going to be representing, that was expected to represent the Big Ten would be Wisconsin. So I don't think anybody really expected Indiana or Purdue to make it this far. And Michigan State, there you have it. Two out of four teams were overachieving as a conference. Your thoughts, 517-432-3893. The email address, Sports at gmail.com. Once again, our number, 517-432-3893. Can Michigan State make another magical run at a Final Four since San Antonio this year wouldn't mind spending two weekends consecutively in Texas, then that wouldn't be all bad now. But uh, Houston this weekend, Friday night, 10 p.m. against Memphis. Would it be an upset if we beat Memphis? Yes. Only because of the pub that they get, the players that they have. Derrick Rose is a first-round pick. Chris Robert, Christopher Douglas Roberts, first-round pick. I think the national media will go number one upset slain by Goliath. Or you know by David rather, but I don't think it'd be that bad of an upset. So not an upset, but nothing compared to what a Georgetown Davidson upset is. Nah, exactly, exactly. Considering their number one seed, everybody's all over, always getting attention as a number one seed. Everybody is. So considering their number one seed and they only have one loss, we would be the second team to beat them all year, and that would put them out of the tournament. That would be an upset. Well, Michigan State and Memphis square off Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go right to the phones. Welcome into the Spartan Sports Rep. Welcome into the Sports Rep. What's on your mind? Hey, um, just just a little comment about Evok. Um, go ahead. He's, he's very strong. Uh, I think he's got skills, but uh, he cannot make a basket. I, I agree. Evok, <laughs> hey. What, you it know, makes me nervous every time he touches the ball. You know, what did... Were you at the press? Were you at the press? Who was at the presser last Monday? Was it you? Uh, when someone had asked a question about Drew Namick commenting on big men producing, and what did Coach Izzo say? He said, "You have a great sense for the obvious." Previous caller, you have a great sense for the obvious. When you average less than a point of game, it is safe to say that you don't score a lot of points. Ebox struggles. He has worked tremendously hard to improve his hands. But guess what? Don't get caught when he goes up to dunk because he will put you on a poster, pull out the Sharpie, sign it, mail it. He'll break the dunk. He will break <laughs> He will break the dunk. Ebok dunks so hard he will break it. Do the shack with the glass all over you. I think Ebok has he has a trouble. He likes to he has a tendency to gather himself and he likes to use that ga- the gather dribble. When at times you just need to keep keep the ball high, turn and go high, but it's it's a natural tendency. You want to gather your strength, get your momentum, and power up. But trust me, don't get caught. The player that gets caught trying to jump with Idong Ibak when he's going to dunk, good night. He might break your arm with his with his force. There's a couple of times against Pittsburgh where Drew Knights or Kaelin Lucas would drive and they would dish inside to Ibak, and Idong he's just. Like you said, he has to settle himself. He has to set his feet. He has to take all this precautionary measures just before he can even go up, put that shot up. Why don't you just alley it to him? I just mean, we'll, we'll be easy. Let, let's think yeah, about let's this. Let's not hate on Ebok. Why is Ebok right. out there? He's out there to defend, alter shots, block shots, and exactly. rebound. If you want to talk, people take longer to mature. I know that uh, Sutan's only a junior, but I'm just now getting over the blown layup against Gonzaga that he had in the in the tournament before the season started. So you can always say, well, this guy can't do this. Well, look at Sutan now. He, he's putting up great numbers in the tournament. So as bad as, you know, Ebok might seem to some people, he 
he's still maturing. He's going to be a good player. Now. Oh, Sutan had the same problem bottling the balls exactly. as a sophomore. Exactly. Plus, he doesn't get the minutes that all the other guys do to improve his game. So you got to give him that. And I got to give Pavel a couple of haterade. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I can get you a, a two. You know, two for five. You know, haterade is on a special tonight. You know, keep hating on Ebok. I see. I want to see. I want to see you catch a rock in the post and go up strong in 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 the tournament. But you got to show some love to Ebok. First I'm not, off, I'm not hating on Ebok. I love Ebok. He's a man of I want great, him to do well. Ebok's a man of great character. If you don't know, he hasn't seen his family in more than three years because of the way his visa is arranged. You can only travel back and forth to Africa for so often. Try, try that. those off-the-court pressures of not seeing your family. What, is, what does Ebok do for Christmas? You know, goes over to Coach Izzo's house. He doesn't go see his family. Deal with those off-the-court pressures and that distress. In, in addition to only having been playing basketball since... Sophomore, freshman year, of high school, maybe. You know, try. You know, Ebok. I think Ebok is a pro. He's a pro in in progress. He may play overseas professionally, but Ebok will play somewhere and get paid to play basketball. Some him will, somebody will give him a contract. Someone will pay him a lot a lot of money, comparatively to to the average household income. Seven footers don't grow on trees, man. Exactly. Seven feet with his wingspan. <laughs> And the way he has grown, if you take Ebok when he arrived here on campus to Ebok now, tremendous. And we're seeing glimpses. Give him some extended minutes, get his feet under himself, play controlled. We're starting to see progress with Yudong Ebok. And I think he's going to be a valuable piece for this tournament run defensively. His job is not to score. He might get a scrap put back here or there. But his job is to defend, block shots, and rebound. And trust me, you can go to the NBA and make a lot of money Blocking shots, rebounding, and playing defense. <coughs> ben Wallace. <coughs> Your thoughts, 517-432-3893. We go right to men's hockey here in the tail end of the show. They are number three seed in the NCAA tournament. They face Colorado College Friday night as well. So, Pavel, your thoughts on Michigan State hockey's chances in the NCAA tournament and your overall impressions of their seed. I absolutely love it. We were a three seed last year, and uh, we went – Obviously, the national championship. I think we have a good draw against Colorado College. Uh, we basically have the same record. Uh, if we win that, we play the winner of the number one seed, New Hampshire, and Notre Dame. We've already beaten Notre Dame this year, and we tied a game. We had a split. So, And if we do that, if we get to the Frozen Four, we'll play Michigan, who uh, we should have swept both, both weekends from them. So we've played... Basically, most of the teams that are on our way to the Frozen Four to the championship, anything can happen in hockey. That's the great thing about it. Anything can happen. And in that's hockey. what I'm going to say. No all, one's going to watch. Go it's, ahead. it's not happening. Michigan State is not going to win the national championship this year because, like I said before, you have to get extremely lucky, especially in hockey, to win those four games in a row four, six, four. Mm-hmm, four. To get to the championship and win the championship, you have to ride a hot goaltender. You got to get lucky. Now, I know Lurkin's still a game. He's done it before. But you're playing Colorado College in Colorado. I, you know, Even if they get past that game, Notre Dame's still tough. they got to get lucky enough to get past all these good teams. I don't see Michigan State win the national championship. And it's hard to repeat. Um, Boston College last year, the last two years, was in the national championship game. Dropped both of those. Lost, so, to, lost to us on, I'm not going to call it a fluke goal, but scoring with 18 seconds to go. So. Yeah, but a main... A main Last three years was in the Frozen Four. They didn't even make it to the NCAA tournament this year. Exactly. So, so that that was a big flukish thing. Like the year after a national championship, teams some it's like kind of like an urban legend. Like teams Florida. don't make the tournament. Florida. So, Florida. The both both teams, Ohio State and Florida. Yep. Even are. even in hockey, especially because that's been the trend as of late. Um, but you see Michigan State being able to possibly make a run and face off with Michigan. How spectacular would that be? It'd be absolutely spectacular. I'm I'm just afraid that Jeff Lurk has been standing on his head, and we just haven't been scoring enough goals in front of him. I mean, we have a hot do- we have a go- hot goaltender here, just like you said, Jamal. You win with a hot goaltender. You know, anything can happen. We have that hot goaltender. We just need to score some goals in front of him. I was just gonna say, I got a chance to go see Michigan State play Michigan at the Joe, and just like from that, um, Michigan just. They just looked really good this year, and I think they won the CCHA this past weekend, they right? Won the Regular season and, and um, tournament. They just they look so good this year. I don't know if we could beat you, them. You were at the one game know. that Michigan actually had. I caught a couple Michigan of them State. actually, and I watched uh, I watched them play Miami, who beat Notre Dame. I think it was this weekend, right? So I mean, Michigan does look good this year, and 
I mean, they have Porter, who's really good, too. So Unfortunately, Porter only had one I actually went to high school us. with him, so I, oh, I know for sure. Oh, so you, you can give him the full scouting report on Kevin Porter, huh? Uh, not really. I don't really follow hockey that much, but but you were Who just does? Who does? you were just kicking knowledge like Miami, Notre Dame, yada. You knew it all. I, this was sports all weekend. I don't think I moved from the TV. Nice. God bless you. I'm like probably the if, only if girl. More, that if didn't more know. women were like you, <laughs> I had it was spectacular. I called my mother on uh, was it Saturday? We played Saturday night. Yeah. So you know what's going on, mom? What do you you know just a touch base? What have you been doing? She's like, yeah, I sat down, watched the Duke game, watched this game, that game. I'm like, what have you been doing, Mom? She watched, like, three tournament games. Good for her. Like, God bless you. I, <laughs> I knew that. I knew it's why you're my mother. She's hung out. She said, I've just been, you know, just watching tournament games today. It's lovely. Love to see that women in loving sports. That's spectacular. Your thoughts, 517-432-3893 is the number. The email address, Sports. At gmail.com. And now, somewhat of an awkward transition, we head to spring football, which is currently underway right now. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple more weeks, and they'll be done with their spring season. Spring game, April 19th, 1.30 p.m. at Spartan Stadium. And that is the culmination of the Michigan State football spring season. So, what is our biggest area of concern this offseason. What needs to be addressed this spring by Coach D'Antonio and Michigan State football team? The defensive line needs to be addressed. I look at all the you know so-called holes on the team or all the questions we have, but when you lose the production of just St. Deke alone, let alone Irvin, G-Ball, Baldwin, um, OG, you know that that's three starters on the defensive line that you're left with. Leadership and Justin Kershaw, yes, but you lose three quality starters from the defensive line. I think that defensive line has big questions. Tyler Hoover, 6'7". The guy's going to come in, and uh, hopefully he can uh, pick up where Jonal St. Deke left off. And we got this big guy, 325 Antonio Jeremiah. True. Right inside. He can be a nose tackler or something. Wow, and, he's, he could really pound his way through. I like these guys. The only problem I have is Tyler Hoover has never played in a college game. Exactly. So Antonio Jeremiah has never played in a Big Ten game. But so. he's got an early start as a freshman. He enrolled early. He's getting spring ball, right. and he's going to have think, a whole summer. So we'll see. We'll I think see. one player uh, above those aforementioned players you need to watch out for is Trevor Anderson. Exactly. From Cincinnati, sat last year. He could have pr- produced last year. Yep. He'll be ready to go, and he looked so fast in spring practice last week when I got to watch. Spectacular player. Look out for him. What will be our strengths, fellas? It's going to be running the ball. That's the bread and butter. It doesn't matter. Let's put this, you know, they've got a stable of running backs. You know, they have so much depth at that position. But you know they got the big guy, 2-3 in the front, and he's going to be toting the rock. So the running position, you know, the running back position is going to be our strength this year. I would have to agree. I think because Javon Ringer is getting limited time, uh, you've really seen the explosiveness of A.J. Jimerson. This might be his finally his year to be that second back. Finally. <laughs> finally, St. Louis guy. Um, he's been here but forever. I, he's, been, he's f- so fast, and he's just amazing. I, I think he can hit the hole just as fast as Ringer. So if Ringer goes out for a breather, you're not really losing much with uh, A.J. Jimerson. When you, when you know, you look a few years back, what did John O. Smith say when he had to decide who to redshirt? Could have been, he said it could have been a flip of a coin. Between redshirting AJ Jimerson or Javon Ringer, that's how close it was. And obviously, Javon has separated since then. But to have a one-two speed punch as opposed to the power speed punch we had last year with Culkrick and Ringer, that could be just as deadly. You know, we're going to tire you out. We're going to beat you to the edge all game. You know, pick it who you want, AJ or Javon. But like you like you said, two three, he's going to get 25, 30 carries a game. Uh, we're gonna f- we're gonna feed our strengths like we did last year. Coach said we had Devin; he was a great wide receiver. We're gonna go to him. Javon Ringer, legitimate cad- candidate for Heisman Trophy, hands down. Last year he ran for fourteen hundred plus yards, sharing the ball with someone that had twenty one touchdowns, at least twenty one. I don't remember how many eight hundred plus yards. Exactly. So imagine what Javon could get being a feature back. That might not happen this year, but still. And you saw in the bowl game what the team realized they had, and they started running direct snap plays to him and. Give him the ball five, six times in a row. This guy could legitimately be a Heisman candidate. I agree. Our quarterback, Brian Hoyer, got a chance to catch up with Brian. A little extensive interview here. It should take us to basically the end of the show, but we'll come back and chat, wrap up our recruiting, uh, wide receiver issues. But uh, sat down with quarterback Brian Hoyer last week at Media Day. So here's what the quarterback had to say heading into his final year at the helm. Going by quarterback Brian Hoyer. Brian, you've had some time to work on your game, evaluate film. 
what was the most accomplishing aspect of your off season for you in your personal game? Um, just this off season, going back and you know I went back and watched every single game, you know at least once or twice, and just try to see where you can improve on things, and and uh, that's something where you know after the season's all said and done, you can go back and sit back and, and see things that you might not have seen during the season and, and try to learn from them. So, um, you know, I've really been working on, on watching film and seeing where I can improve my game, where, you know, there's a ton of things that I can do to improve. Um, you know, one thing is, is just not trying to force some things and, and getting down and thrown to the backs, especially when you have a running back like Javon Ringer. You know, the more times you get the ball in his hand, the, the better it is going to be for the team. So that's one, you know, major thing that I've been trying to, to work on. You know, we, we do some uh, seven-on-seven, some stuff like that, and I've been throwing to the running backs more. So that's something that I've been working on. And and also I want to be able to, uh, <clears throat> you know, change, be able to change protections at the line of scrimmage if, if you see, you know, a blitz coming or something so you can help yourself out and not have to throw hot. So um, those are definitely things that I want to work on in, in this spring practice. You know, there's theories that a team's going to improve the most from its first game to its second game. Um, for a quarterback, do you think you'll improve exponentially from your first season as a starter in the Big Ten until now having weathered a season and a bowl game? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, that whole year, uh, you know, really gives you opportunity to learn. And, uh, you know, there's good, there's ups and downs. Um, so to learn from, from the, the downs really is, is what is the biggest, uh, you know, thing to be able to make you to take that step. And, uh, you know, I feel, you know, more confident, more comfortable with this system. Um, you know, I know it like the back of my hand. And uh, so going into the spring, it's something where I can go and work on those finer points. I don't have to worry about the, the big thing because I kind of already got it down. So I can, um, you know, go in and, and just try to take my game to that next level by working on the, on the smaller things. And as far as the complete package as a quarterback, what have you added to your game? You know, I've really been trying to work on my uh, speed and, uh, you know, flexibility so I can be able to make more plays out of the pocket. Um, it's something that I feel like I have the ability to do. Um, I don't really... You know, try to do it as much because, like you said, I, I'd, rec I'd rather you know rely on my arm. But I think there's times where you know, if you go back to the bowl game against Boston College, you have to roll out and make a play. Where you know, I found Deion Curry, so I feel like I can do that a little bit more and uh, you know, put more pressure on the defense. Obviously, Devin Thomas gone to the NFL draft. I'm sure things are fine with the depth that receiver we have. Yeah, definitely. We have a lot of young guys. Um, you know, people like Mark Dell who got some playing time last year. Um, Deion Curry is back. Uh, you look at somebody like B.J. Cunningham, who, you know, he registered last year, but he has a tremendous talent. Um, you talk to the defensive players who went against him on scout team last year, and all they do is rave about him, how he can go up and get the ball. So, um, you know, it hurts because Devin was a great player. Um, but we're going to have to have those young guys step up, and I think they have the ability to do that. And how's the offense going to change? Are we still going to see the same balanced dual threat attack? I don't think there will be much change, to, to tell you the truth, because... We got the great running backs. Um, our offensive line, you know, we're missing a couple guys, but some guys are going to step up, so we'll be able to run the ball and uh, and pass the ball as well. So um, <clears throat> it'll be the balanced, the balanced offense, the balanced attack that you saw last year, and uh, you know, with a little more experience because uh, we've had a year in the system. We know uh, the ins and outs. We know what we're looking for against certain defenses. So if anything, it should be uh, should be better. And how safe do you feel with perhaps one of the best backs in the country behind you, Javon Ringer? Like I've always said, having a, a, a great running back takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback because um, whether you can use play action or you know he's running for 150 yards a game, it's, it's going to take pressure off the quarterback. Um, so having Javon back there, we just got to find ways to get him the ball. That was quarterback Brian Hoyer. His thoughts on the upcoming season and the spring season, which is underway right now. Spring game, Michigan State football is going to be April twenty, April 19th, and it's going to be at 1.30 p.m. over at Spartan Stadium. A lot going on that day. Baseball is going to be at home with a doubleheader against Michigan. Uh, but as far as recruiting, uh, can I get a, just an overview of recruiting, what we've got verbal and, and how impressive it is? Verbally, it is amazing. You have two of the top ten running backs in the country coming to Michigan State in 2009, one of them being Larry, Larry Caper from Battle Creek, the other one being a gentleman's name I can't remember. Edwin from, uh, Baker. Yep, Oak Park. You have those two quality running backs. You have a linebacker at Renaissance that dozens of schools like want. Chris Norman? Big kid. He's 6'2", very fluid, about 220. He's a product. He's a Big ten size linebacker right now, as well as a, a wide receiver out of Flint, or excuse me, out of Ypsilanti, who they had at 6'2", or 6'0". He came in a full two inches 
you know, 20 pounds heavier than they thought he was going to be. So he looks Big Ten ready, too. In 2009, D'Antonio's already got out to getting the best players in the state of Michigan. You look at Caper and Baker, they're going to be like the this year's Ringer and Jimerson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could they could just play right away, you know, if you get them here early. Maybe for spring ball or something, they're going to be ahead of the game. I think I think the running back position is going to be Michigan State's strong suit for five, ten years. No doubt. But why wouldn't you come here as a running back? You, you look at, you know, look. Coach D can say, hey, look at look at J.U. Coker, look at Javon Rainer. You're going to get carries. Wide receivers, you're still going to get the ball thrown to you. Tremendous balance in the offense. And I think, like you said, it's going to be Michigan State's bread and butter. But that's it for us. Michigan State, Memphis, men's hoops, Friday night, 10 p.m. I'm not going to predict a winner, but I, I'll just say this. I think we'll be talking about Michigan State in the final four. It'll come next. Out free throws. Oh, how sweet that would be. So that's it for Pavel Kaufman. we got the, the Je- Jeff Shump and the Jazz Spectrum coming up next. He's ready to rock. He's ready to go. He's, he's, he's ready, ready to jazz. Ready to jazz it up. <laughs> but uh, that's it for us. Stay tuned. Next Monday we will have tournament wrap-up. Win or lose, we're, we're here every Monday. For Brigitte Troy and Pavel Kaufman, Scout.com, Jamal Spencer, you can catch him on ABC3 in Lansing, his smiling face. I'm Dan Duggar. Thanks for listening, and let's go stink. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.